The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good evening and welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. We're, bro- we're broadcasting from the Cromer Mashburn Family Studios here at the Maple Knoll Radio Network in Cincinnati, Ohio. And we are here, as always, to be your public radio source for the inspiration and education you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. Now, today is a pre-recorded program because uh, I am out on the road uh, doing some workshops throughout the state for the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. Uh, You can find out more about those at trainwithvena.com. I'm going to various places in the state over the next few weeks, but uh, uh, one of our uh, convention uh, experts was good enough to pre-record this very important program with us uh, so that you guys could hear one of the hottest strategies ever, 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 which is abandoned properties. Now, when you hear Reggie Brooks over the course of the next hour or so, you are going to say, wow, how do I get more? And the answer is you come to the OREA National Real Estate Summit on November 5th through 8th here in Cincinnati. There are two, two Two packages left, two packages at the extraordinarily discounted price of 158 for one person, still available at wmkvfm.org. For those of you who missed the fun drive a few weeks back, uh, that was the premium that we were offering for pledges to public radio WMKV, and we uh, ended up with two of them left over and... Actually, we, we had three or four left over, but they're almost gone. So uh, go to wmkvfm.org and grab your discounted package. There is no better deal out there anywhere for this awesome four-day summit with 18 expert speakers and over 700 investors from all over the United States of America. That's wmkbfm.org. My guest today is Reggie Brooks, who is the number one abandoned property specialist in North America. He specializes in teaching people how to make a lot of money on properties that, honestly, most of your competitors ignore, don't know how to do anything with, don't put any value to, and what he tells you really, really does work. And Reggie, I don't normally do this because I don't I don't typically talk a whole lot about myself and my deals on this show, but I want to tell you that you got me a house for free this summer. Oh, wonderful. A free house. <laughs> A free house. How'd that happen? I found I found an abandoned property. I was you know I follow everything you say 
about abandoned properties and I found one and I wrote the owner and he called and he said, you don't want this property because it's not worth anything. And I said, well, then I'll probably take it for free. And it turned out to be, I mean, yes, it needed massive work like a lot of these abandoned properties do, but it was a $120,000 property fixed up, needed about 60 in work. I got it for free. I, I flipped it. I don't, I don't do the, the rehab myself. Uh, so I flipped it and made about $6,000 for a single postcard. Oh, wonderful. So, yay you. Really wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, 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 so those folks out there who listen to you and then don't implement... You know, yeah. they're they're being silly. Uh, yeah, so, I know. <laughs> so, so you know, a lot of a lot of uh, real estate gurus have like a log cabin story. You know, I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. Blah blah blah. Uh, you have a real log cabin story, though. Uh, why, why, why don't you Why don't you share a little bit about <laughs> about uh, you know your life leading up to this whole becoming a, a, a real estate millionaire thing. Wow. Wow. That, uh, fascinating. Your, your, your entry. Um, I tell you what, law cabin story. I'd never heard that term before, but I sure do understand it. And yes, I do have a bit of a law cabin story. Uh, I was born and raised in Los Angeles, California. I was raised by a single mom. And although she did a great job of attempting to raise myself and my brother, she needed help. So uh, my log cabin story starts uh, with me dropping out of high school in the 11th grade. I was 17 years old. And then I dropped out of high school because I really needed to go and get some work and bring some money home into the single-parent household that was really struggling along. I got a bunch of dead-end jobs. I worked as a service station attendant, a machinist, a mechanic, all the dead-end jobs. And then I got a really lucky break because I got a job at the local phone company right here in Los Angeles. And I say lucky break because, you see, they didn't know I hadn't graduated from high school, and I wasn't saying one word. I stayed there for 18 years, and I worked myself up to making 3000 a month. Um, to fast forward into how my life changed, I remember going to a seminar, and this man at the seminar talked about how I could change my life and I could make more money than uh, in my spare time than I could make on a full-time job. And so I listened to him like you listen to me about vacant, distressed, abandoned properties. I listened to him, and it changed my life. First property that I bought uh, after studying his material, two houses on a lot, and I learned how to uh, structure a deal so that I could actually get cl cash at the closing. And, Vina, I know you know how exciting that is mm -hmm. to go into a closing and get cash rather than paying money for the property, walk away with money. And it was like that and bought a couple of the properties and a couple more. And, and then it began to dawn on this really dumb, dumb guy, as dumb as a pile of rocks, that I was beginning to make so much money with vacant, distressed, abandoned properties. And then I really took a look around, and I saw that the first three deals that I did, they were vacant, distressed, and I made a lot of money. So I began to think about this and kind of flesh the, the whole idea out, and here's what turned out. Vacant, distressed, abandoned properties, they are a, uh, a headache for the owner. You see, what happens is that after 30 days, when the insurance company learns that they're vacant, the insurance company pulls their insurance. So... 
the owner is highly motivated because they have a property sitting right there with no insurance. If in many of these properties are owned free and clear. And so you can imagine, that place catches on fire and burns down, or heaven forbid, someone gets hurt in that property, that owner has a very, very serious problem. So when you combine that with the fact that, yes, they love to sell it and get that headache off their, off their head and, you know, and, and relax and sleep at night and have a, a spouse that, that is happy and friendly toward them again, <laughs> they love to sell it. But here's the problem. No bank in their right mind. Most banks, most commercial banks, will never, ever lend on a property that needs the kind of work that these vacant, distressed properties need. So that explained why we were so, uh, why we were able to get owner financing so easily. Mm-hmm. Owner financing means that you don't need to have money, you don't need to have credit, and you don't even need to have a job. What you need is the knowledge of how to write the contract up. And with these vacant, distressed properties owned by highly, highly motivated owners who want to sell them, but the banks won't lend and uh, the insurance company is no longer there for them. So now they understand that they have to participate in the financing. Mm -hmm. And, Vina, that's how we so easily make large amounts of money with these types of properties through owner financing. I know you've done owner financing deals before, haven't you, Vina? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, not on free Isn't houses. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, not... I to mean... know that you don't even have to go to a bank. You can go straight to that owner who has no choice but to help you to get the financing for the property. He becomes the bank, and that's really exciting. Yeah, very true. very exciting. Now, Reggie, yeah. we, need, we need to take a quick break. I want to remind listeners that this is a pre-recorded program, so unfortunately we're not going to be able to take questions live today, but I do have a whole list of questions here for Reggie about how you can pursue this strategy of abandoned properties. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today, Reggie Brooks, one of the 18 very carefully chosen experts at the 2015 OREA National Real Estate Summit. You can find out more about that and grab some tickets for you or yourself and a partner at wmkvfm.org. There was some very big news this week for those of us who own rental properties, and uh, you, you may or may not have heard about it, but a federal court in the Southern District of Ohio ruled that those mandatory inspections that cities have been rolling out over the course of the last 10 to 15 years, where you have a rental and you pay them money every year to own the rental in their city, and, uh, and as part of that, they come in and inspect your tenant's house once a year and tell you all the things that they think you ought to do with it, uh, was ruled unconstitutional last week by the federal court here in the Southern District of Ohio. Uh, the, the inspections themselves are unconstitutional under the Fourth Amendment, according to the court, and the fees that are charged for those unconstitutional inspections are also illegal. So this is obviously humongous news and a big win for landlords and tenants, who were the ones actually having their privacy invaded, and for freedom in general. Now, there have been a lot of questions about this since the ruling came out, about where it applies, what it means, what happens next, and what you can do to maybe knock those laws down in your city. 
Uh, Oria is holding a webinar on Friday, this upcoming Friday at 12.15. That is Friday, October the 9th at 12.15 in the afternoon. And uh, it's open to everyone, everywhere in the country. Uh, You can uh, register for it by going to orea.com, O-R-E-I-A.com. There's a link on the front page to register for the webinar. I know that the uh, lunchtime uh, aspect of it is going to be difficult for some folks, especially those out on the West Coast like Reggie, for whom it will be 9.15 in the morning. But uh, if you register, we're going to record the webinar and we will send you a link to it. And uh, the guest on the webinar is going to be Maurice Thompson, the attorney who uh, prosecuted that case and won it. And he's going to answer all of our questions. So orea.com to register for that informational call. Now, Reggie, uh, you, you've been a guest here on Real Life Real Estate before. This is probably your second or third time over the course of the, yeah, of the last decade. You're one of my favorite people to interview because your particular niche is just, it's so practical, you know, it's not, it's not, and then, you know, 900 other things happen and then you get a deal. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward, but I noticed something last time I, I talked to you two years ago, we were talking about abandoned properties and now I keep hearing you say vacant and distressed and abandoned properties have you changed your strategy, or have you just changed the name for it? <laughs> no. You know, uh, I started thinking about it, and first of all, this is such a unique niche uh, that very few people around the country are doing it. And I've been doing it for, oh, man, almost 28, 29 years now. And what I've found is that when, when you talk about an abandoned property, I don't think that that really describes what we are making money on as well because an abandoned property means that a person walks away from it they have no more interest in the property at all um, and uh, and so it's open for vandalism and all the rest well a vacant distressed property uh, I think a bad, the word abandoned doesn't fit it as well as it should because when a property is vacant and distressed an owner many times still has interest in that property they haven't completely abandoned it but what they want is some relief. Uh, here's the problem. They don't go to Vena Jones Cox Oria event. They don't come to Reggie Brooks uh, real estate investment classes. And so they don't understand what to do with these properties. So they are vacant and they are distressed. They have not abandoned them yet because they still have interest. And so with that interest, what we do and what I teach my students is to go and flesh out that interest and then give that owner some options as to how they can solve their problem. The problem being that property that sits there that's an eyesore and it's going to cause them a lot of stress and a lot of trouble if something should happen to that property because the insurance company isn't insuring it anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's vacant and it's distressed. Sometimes we find a property that actually is abandoned, meaning the owner uh, has walked away from it, has no interest whatsoever, doesn't even want to hear about it anymore. Mm -hmm. But the properties that we make money on, they're vacant, distressed, and sometimes abandoned. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because when I think abandoned properties, oftentimes I think of like the owner died and the heirs don't even know it's you know like <laughs> like it's really yeah. <laughs> you know been 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 boarded up for twenty years that sort of thing. And uh, often, at least in in this part of the country, where property values might be a little bit lower than they are in California. Uh, those those turn out to be shells that you can't you can't even repair them for the cost of 
you know what what they would be worth fixed up, right? But uh, yeah, when you yeah. when you when you're talking about these properties, they could have been vacant for a month. They could have been vacant for four months, six months. It could, you know, maybe it was five years, and the owners just preserved it well. But uh, it's not necessarily what folks might be visualizing. You know, worst part of town, no windows, exactly. <laughs> no floors, exactly. no no internal walls, anything exactly. like that. And yeah, you got it. and that's and that's you know, typically the type of vacant property that that I deal with is. Uh, uh, often a landlord who mm-hmm. had a had a bad tenant, or maybe they're just getting older and they have not been able to maintain the property, and now mm-hmm. it it needs a you know decent amount of work before anybody can move into it, and they either don't have the time, or they don't have the money, or they don't have the energy to right. deal with what needs to be done there. And uh, right, I'm, exactly. I'm I'm sure that the reason that, that you focused on these, especially early on when you were making 3000 bucks a month and going, how in the world am I going to buy a house in LA? Yeah. Is that, <laughs> is that as a, as a group, they are highly motivated and not, not, not every single person you talk to is motivated. But if you took, if you took it as a percentage, I think a higher percentage yeah. of owners of these properties are, are, really motivated to sell them than even even if you look at foreclosures people in foreclosure yeah. are less motivated as a group to sell than the owners of these properties absolutely absolutely you know i'm so glad you mentioned that too uh, because there's a huge difference um a foreclosed property may have had a family that's been living there for 10 12 15 years and they have certain emotional attachments that they formed with that property. You know, understand this. They raised their family in that home. Uh, you know, they married their daughter in that home. So they've had Thanksgiving dinner and Christmas dinner, and they open their gifts. So all of these create an emotional attachment. And when you approach an owner that is in foreclosure and he has an emotional attachment to this property, you come up with an idea that can get him out of the foreclosure problem put a little money in your pocket, they're going to want to squeeze every drop of equity out of that property because they're emotionally attached to the property. Now, fast forward to a vacant, distressed, or abandoned property, there is no emotional attachment there. What there is is a big problem. It's a big headache. They've had that property vacant for some months and maybe even some years. The record, Vina, Right now, I've had a student that found a vacant property that had been abandoned for 22 years. Now, that was an abandonment. <laughs> and he found that owner, and he bought the property and made a ton of cash. But most of the times, these properties have not been abandoned, or, or they haven't been vacant for that long. But the problem still exists. So the difference between a vacant, distressed property and a foreclosure turns out to be huge, huge numbers of dollars. Mainly for the reason is the, the mindset of the person who walks away from a property. I just want relief. I want the headache to stop. Oh, I'm tired of this sleepless nights every night. I'm tired of my, my spouse jabbing me in the side saying, when are you going to do something about that property so we can finally relax? <laughs> so they want out of the problem. Sometimes having the pain of a problem to stop is much more valuable to them than getting a fistful of dollars. Mm -hmm. A fistful of dollars is of of, of little importance when it comes to a vacant, distressed, abandoned property. However, when it comes to a foreclosure, that fistful of dollars is of the utmost importance. So I would much rather go after a group of properties 
where, for the most part, as a percentage, just like you said, Vinny, uh, excellent point, as a percentage, I have more motivated owners. I have more distressed properties. I have more of a reason for them to work with me because the banks won't lend on those properties. I have more motivation because of the insurance company stopped insuring the property. Now the property sits there completely vulnerable. I like my chances of buying and making money with those types of properties than any other type of property that I've ever worked. And believe me, I've worked an awful lot of them in my 29 years of uh, being an investor. Mm -hmm. Time sure flies. What did 29 <laughs> years ago? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I froze my, my experience at 25 years. I tell everybody mm. I've been in for 25 years, and I'm never going to say a bigger number than that. For for the rest of we my have life, to talk about that. Yeah, well, you know, because yeah, people I, start being able to calculate your age. I mean, you know, mm. you don't you don't look like you could have worked for the telephone company for eighteen years and then been another twenty eight <laughs> years in real estate. But you know, you're a guy, so you know, you just yeah, get better no, looking as you get older. Different. Yeah. So well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, I beg to differ with you there. I've seen some guys that were so ugly and some older women that were so beautiful. Come on, Dina. Well, I want to fall into that latter category. <laughs> we need to. Well, you see, I stopped right there because I used the, I used the word that I shouldn't have used. I used the word "oh," so I did not tie you to that. You did. <laughs> All right. With that, we need to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, what sort of vacant properties we are and are not looking for, and we're going to talk about what it is that makes these sellers not make an active attempt to sell these properties. So we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today, Reggie Brooks. He's the number one expert in America in abandoned property investing. Excuse me, vacant, distressed, and abandoned property investing. He's going to be at the OREA National Real Estate Summit coming up here in Cincinnati on November 5th through 8th. Uh, you know, this isn't, uh, this is public radio. Don't We don't normally sit around and promote events and whatnot, but this is uh, the only event in the country like this that's run by a nonprofit association. It's the biggest one in the country because year after year after year, it's the best one in the country. And the reason it's the best is because of people like Reggie. And also, uh, you, if you go to WMKVFM.org, WMKVFM.org, and uh, check out the, the pledge form on the front page where you can get your seat for uh, an extremely discounted price if you're one of the next two people who does it. Uh, you will see that your pledge goes to WMKV. So, like, you get to support public radio and get four days of an awesome real estate education. George is jumping up and down and clapping his hands that WMKV gets 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 the pledge. So, um, Reggie, I think sometimes people get confused about these vacant properties in that, you know, maybe they'll, I know you, you teach several ways to identify these, but one really basic one that I think everybody knows about is get in your car and drive around and look for right. houses that are vacant. And then they, they come home with a bunch of addresses, they start looking them up, and they find that a lot of them are, are bank-owned. They're, like, owned by HUD or, you know, some big bank. And I don't think that is what we are looking for here, is it? Well, you know, and I say this, Vina, there's opportunity at every single turn. Let's talk about bank-owned properties. There's a property that uh, 
that I found. It was a four-unit vacant property, four units that had needed a lot of work. I did the research, and I found that it was owned by a bank up north, northern California, called Homestead Savings. You can take a look now, but I don't know if they own anything, but I'll tell you this story. It was a fantastic story. I got hold of them and told them that I was interested in this property over on Wilmington Avenue, and uh, she would like to buy it. And they say, well, no, we don't own that property. I say, yes, you do. When you say, no, we don't, we went back and forth. <laughs> and so I left the conversation by asking them, please get someone on it. I have proof here that you are the owner of the property. I'd like to buy it. So I waited a couple of days, called back. They said, oh, yes, you're so smart, Mr. Brooks. Yes, you, we do own that property. We've actually owned it for two years. And it's okay, two years. Where do I make an offer? Well, um, it's in the hands of our broker already, and so you contact our broker. Okay, got it. So I contacted the broker, got the fax number, and I faxed an offer over, called uh, the next day and asked, uh, did you receive my offer? Now, the property's been vacant, and they've owned it. They took it back in foreclosure two years ago, and it was lost in a crack someplace. So I, I contact the owner of uh, the uh, bank, Next day, they say, yes, we did receive your offer, and we have six other offers. Wait a minute. Hold on here. It was vacant for a long time. They've owned it for two years, didn't know they owned it. Now, I brought it to their attention yesterday. Now they have six offers. So, obviously, that broker probably called his buddies and said, you got to hurry up. Get an offer on this property. It's a hot one. It's going to go out. It's going to make somebody a ton of money. So all six of his friends wrote offers. I'm sure that's what happened. I was number seven. But I'm the one that brought it out. So we have to get creative. And when you come to Orea, I am so privileged to have been asked to come back again and teach because one of the things that I'm itching to teach is little tips that can make you so much money. Like, for instance, they have my offer, six other offers. I asked a... a, a Silly little question, but you, you come to a real and you find out the importance of these silly little questions. Are you going to make a counter offer? And the answer was yes, and then here comes my silly question. Are you going to be fair and counter everyone the same? And, of course, they're not going to say, no, I'm not going to be fair. They're <laughs> going to be fair. So the answer is yes, we will be fair and counter everyone the same. The next day, I made an offer for $75,000 on a four-unit building. I'm in Los Angeles, California. Come on, how could you even stoop so? How could you be so stupid? Well, because it's a vacant, distressed, uh, vacant, distressed, abandoned property. The owner wants to, needs to sell it. He doesn't want to. He has to sell it. The banks won't lend. The insurance company won't insure it. And so that owner's feeling so much pressure. He wants the pain to stop, so he's willing to sell it to me for a, a small amount of money. I'm going to make sure by making an offer. $75,000. Now, it was owned by the bank, but it's still an owner who is in a distress, a motivated owner with a distressed property. I don't care if it's a bank or not. So I get the counter offer back. I offer seventy-five. I get the counter back. It's $80,000. <laughs> what do most people do? They sign it quickly and quickly get it back to the, to the uh, broker and hope and pray that they are the ones that are selected out of the seven offers. No, you don't do that. Here's your little tip of the day. You come to Aria and you're going to hear so many wonderful tips like this that can make you so much money. I simply wrote on the bottom of the offer, buyer is willing to pay 82000 for a subject property. 82000 Now, who else would write that on the bottom of their offer? 
Everyone is looking to save money, not spend more money, but I don't see it as a, an expenditure. It's an investment. And so that bank loaned 90% of the purchase price for that property. Me adding $2,000 to the $80,000 counteroffer means that I have to come up with 90% of $2,000 as a down payment. I think I can do that. I think I can do that. I'm the one that got the property. I fixed that property up. I held it for a period of time, rented it out, had a nice cash flow, and I got the cash flow up so high I turned around and sold it and made a ton of money. So that whole story is to say that opportunity is around us all the time. And so I'm not one to shut down opportunity. I'm one to take a look and see if I can flesh out some dollars out of that opportunity. And even a bank-owned property, many, many times, we're able to buy distressed prop, uh, motivated, uh, uh, distressed property from motivated banks, mm-hmm. and we're able to make killings on these types of properties. So one of the things that we're doing nowadays, and I'm so excited about this, Dina, we're taking our students, let's say when I fly into a city and I do a, a talk there, and I develop students there, and they follow me around, and I provide them a list of properties in their area with their zip codes that are guaranteed vacant, already, they're already, uh, they've already been viewed by a government agency, and they are guaranteed vacant by a government agency. And also, with this list, they get the owner's of record, his new mailing address, because we know he doesn't live in that vacant property, so we have his forwarding mailing address, uh, so we know how to contact that owner. We can also get these lists where they only come out with free and clear vacant properties. But one more thing I want to throw at you. This is so exciting. Imagine a list with vacant properties. They've been uh, guaranteed by a government agency to be vacant. They're owned uh, by a motivated owner who just simply wants to sell. And also, the fact is, this motivated owner, he owns the property free and clear. One other thing, he lives outside of the area Mm -hmm. where the subject property is. In other words, we're dealing with an absentee owner. There is no better owner to deal with. A motivated owner with a distressed, vacant, distressed, abandoned property that he doesn't care about the equity, he cares about the headache to stop, and he doesn't even live in the city. Mm-hmm. That's a powerful, powerful combination. So I'm so excited about that because in many cases we're able to get those lists and we give those lists to our students who become vacant, distressed, abandoned property students. Mm-hmm. And then so that way they have a, a jump start, a jump start ahead of everyone else when they get out there with this list. Very excited about that, Dina. And your your story about the bank who forgot they owned the property, which is mm-hmm. not actually that unusual, especially with these little banks, <laughs> um, it leads me to, to a question that I've had a lot over the last few weeks, which is, so you got this owner, he's got this vacant property, he doesn't want it, it's costing him money, he just got the notice from his insurer that you know either either you have no insurance or you get to pay five times as much as you were before to insure the vacant property. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't they just put it in MLS? And I mean, if they want to sell it, why aren't they actively out there trying to sell it? It's so rare that you'll even see a, a, a realtor sign or even even one of those silly little handwritten for sale by owner signs in the yards of these things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that, uh, that's very true, Vina, very, very true. Here's the mindset. Um, 
the they may have called all the realtors in the area and said, please come list my property and sell it for me. And the realtor comes out there and says, sees that the property needs some degree of work. And so most realtors will then notify that owner, Mr. Owner, I'd love to list this property, but you need to spend some money on it. You need to fix this property up. You see, your competition on the market right now are these properties here. This is a, uh, the same number of bedrooms, number of baths as your property. This is the same amount of square footage, and it's fixed up. And so, therefore, everyone who wants to buy a house is coming to the ones that are fixed up. So you have to fix it up. problem is that that owner does not have the money to fix the property up. He may have the money to pay the mortgage every month. Many of these properties, some 30 to 40% of them are owned free and clear, Vina. Um, he may... Uh, have some insurance that he has to pay through the nose or maybe doesn't have insurance at all. Uh, but the problem there is that if he puts it on the MLS, most people are not going to even want to look at it because those are not the – that's not where you find the majority of your investors who would be interested in maybe taking that property over so you could wholesale that property to an investor. You're going to find uh, turnkey homeowners on the multiple, multiple listing service they're looking for a house that they can turn the key, move the furniture in, and start living. They're not looking for a vacant, distressed property that needs work. So the owners of these properties typically don't want to spin their wheels anymore. They sit there and, and they pray for manna from heaven. They do all of these things. They try to forget it. They turn on TV an awful lot. <laughs> they watch a lot of TV but they try to forget their problems. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we learn a very simple, simple system that we can use and go in there and educate the sellers as, as to, well, remind the sellers of the pain that they're going through and then give them solutions, mm -hmm. creative solutions that can get the pain to stop. Yeah. And, of course, we purchase the properties, but their pain is stopped. And now, many times, now I'm not saying that we will take free properties just like you got. You got a free house, and many of my students do get free houses. But what we do is we don't typically look for a free house. We look to finance the property from the property itself. And so if money needs to be brought in, we typically want to do it in a creative way where we don't have to pull money out of our pockets because a lot of times our students don't have any. They're just getting started. And so once they get started, now they have money to work with. But in the beginning, we do a lot of creative deals, and that way we can get the deals done. The owners are happy. My students are happy as well. Very good. We need to take one last break here. When we come back, we'll discuss more about these vacant, distressed, abandoned properties. What are some options for what you can do with one once you have found it, tracked down the owner, and started to talk about a deal? We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Reggie Brooks. And don't forget that you can follow Real Life Real Estate Investing year-round by going to our website at realliferealestate.com. There you will find hundreds of uh, archived shows as well as your opportunity to get on our weekly notification list where you will find out what the upcoming show is about Get an article by or about one of our guests, and there's often special offers as well for real-life real estate listeners. That's realliferealestate.com. That's also the place where you ask questions in weeks when this is not a pre-recorded program, but you can ask questions at Real Life Real Estate 24 hours a day. 
uh, talking to Reggie today about abandoned, distressed, vacant properties and the possibilities thereof. And uh, um, uh, Reggie, this is a this is a strategy that I, I don't know if there's any real estate investor who has been to any association meeting, seminar, etc., that doesn't know that th- this is something that they can do, and yet they they choose to run off and buy a list of foreclosures or they buy a list of, uh, you know, um, uh, free and clear properties or they buy a list of name it. Uh, and yet you've made a very compelling and may I say passionate argument that the distressed property owners are the perfect combination of more likely to have high equity more likely to be anxious to sell, more likely to be willing to carry financing or let you take over their financing than other kinds of sellers. So wh- where's the where's the disconnect here that, that people are aware of the kind of seller they're looking for and yet they then go after other kind of sellers to the exclusion of these owners? Well, I think, uh, Vina, when you stop and think about human nature, we understand that we as humans are creatures of habit. There's a book that I read that just changed my life completely. The title of it was Psycho-Cybernetics by Dr. Maxwell Maltz. And what he talked about is that just about everything that we do is out of habit. Uh, to prove it to you, when you get up in the morning, you put your, your shoes on, your socks on, your shirt on, your, your skirt or your pants on. Which leg do you put in first? Out of habit, we put one in, either the right or the left. My challenge is this. For 21 to 30 days, put the other leg in first. Put on your shirt or your blouse, whatever one arm you put in first, put the other one in first. You're going to find it very uncomfortable. So the tendency is to go back to what's comfortable. Um, here's where the losers are separated from the winners. The winners go through the discomfort because they know that at the other end of this discomfort will be a better life. So Psycho-Cybernetics by Dr. Maxwell Moss talks about the 21 to 30 the 21-day phenomenon, and we know that it takes from 21 to 30 days to change, change a habit. So if you really want to change a bad habit, you practice the new habit for 21 to 30 days. Then it becomes your new habit. You're still vulnerable a little bit, but it becomes the, the, uh, the, the foundation of your new habit. So tying that to vacant, distressed, abandoned properties, most people are creatures of habit. We all are. Most people are so accustomed to do, doing what they do that even though they see a better way to do it, most people will snap right back just like a rubber band. When you stretch it out and let it go, it snaps back to its original state. Very few people have that it factor, the it that it takes to say, hey, this is better than the way that I've been doing it. think I'll do it this way instead. Most people don't have that. Most people will go, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they don't say anything else, but they just go back to the way that they are accustomed to doing it. We're creatures of habit, and if you really want to change your life, you have to be ready to do the biggest battle that you've ever done in your entire life. Guess who it's with? <laughs> yourself. It's with yourself. <laughs> You have to be able to battle yourself to stop yourself from doing the dumb thing and start doing the smart thing and commit to doing it for 30 days. That's all you have to do. And if we can really latch on to that, Vina, it's true, it's real, it's a scientific phenomenon. 
And if we can really understand that and latch on to it, do you understand that we have then the power to, to uh, become the architect of our lives, to structure our lives in the way that we want it, not the way that we don't want it? So we have to be able to make a change and then sustain that change. Um, I've been teaching this phenomenal niche in the marketplace for, oh, man, I don't know, 28, 27, 28 years. And I do have a lot of students that I've collected across the country, and these are very special students because they're the ones that, uh, that open themselves up to the possibilities and say, yeah, I think I can do this, rather than snapping back like that rubber band. We all have the potential to be, uh, to stretch ourselves beyond our self-imposed limitations. We all have the potential to do that. But do we have the commitment in order to do that? And I think that's where we lack a little bit. Mm -hmm. So when I come and I speak at the OREA event, uh, one of the things that I do, not only do I give you all these tools and this training and this wonderful pathway to change your life, I also inspire you and motivate you, and then I challenge you also to put the remote control down and go out and practice something new for 21 to 30 days. Very true. And something... At the end of that 30-day period, you may not recognize the person on the other side of that mirror. You may not even recognize them. Something that folks could... It becomes very exciting, Vina. Very, very exciting. Yes, exactly. And something, something that folks could do while, you know, sitting on the edge of their seats for the next month waiting for the summit to happen <laughs> is, yeah. uh, uh, I, you, you said, you said uh, Psycho-Cybernetics by Dr. Maxwell Maltz. Uh, that is yes. uh, uploaded on YouTube. I actually listened to the whole book <laughs> the other day oh, on, on YouTube. It's out of, I guess it's out of, uh, of copyright and you can now get it for yeah. free. Yeah. And I was uh, just listening to that yesterday, in fact. So, uh, oh, all right. Well, that's so wonderful. <laughs> so, so Reggie, um, we only have just literally like three minutes left here. So I, we, we've talked about, you know, you're looking to find abandoned properties, find the sellers of those, or find the owners of those properties, negotiate uh, deals with them, whether that be an owner finance deal or perhaps a cheap cash deal if you're going to wholesale it. Uh, let, let's talk about what happens at the back end of this. What what are you, because make, you know, the deal itself, signing the paper doesn't make you the money. Something has to happen next with that property. What sorts of things are your students doing with these properties once they locate them, negotiate them, and get them closed? Mm, yeah. Well, you know, uh, some of my students are making money even before they close. Uh, it's very simple, a very, very simple matter to be able to be in uh, thousands of dollars within the next 10 days. Uh, these are perfect types of properties to put under contract and then wholesale, sell the contract to an investor. Uh, I have so many case studies of my students who have made exceptional amounts of money from $10,000 to one here in Los Angeles, Noel Abraham, one of my students here, made over $62,000 wholesaling a contract for a vacant distressed property. And then, of course, the, uh, the uh, investor who bought that contract went ahead to fix the property up and then turned around and reselled it and... Um, uh, I'm sorry, uh, retailed it and made a lot of money, a lot more. So there are two things. When I teach my students, I coach a lot of my students, and when I coach them, we, put, we, we go on two different programs. Number one, if you need money right away, let's find them. Let's find the owner. Let's study our script, know what to say to the owner. Let's study how to write up the contract. Let's write it up. Now let us go and sell that contract because that contract is very valuable, 
will sell it to an uh, to an end investor who now has the right to work it on the retail level. We make money right away. One of my first students made ten thousand dollars, and that changed her life. She's a millionaire now. She buys. She bought a ranch here in Los, in uh, California because she loves horses and livestock. So that's the wholesale side. Mm-hmm. Now with me, I'm the retailer. I went from making $36,000 a year to making over $42,000 a month because I like to fix up and rent out and then also fix up and sell. So these are the perfect properties for that as well. You buy them super, super low. You can buy them with owner financing because they don't have a whole lot of choices in financing the properties. Um, One of the things that I teach also is how to keep the money in your pocket when you do your fix-up. A lot of people throw money at a fix-up, and they throw their profits away. And so then we turn around and we sell it, creatively sell it. Um, There are many techniques that we use to sell these properties faster than market, faster, because we use creative strategies. And so we turn around and we sell it to an end user. We make that property available even through government programming, through uh, first-time home buyer programs, all kinds of different programs. And so by utilizing that, we're able to sell our properties higher, and we sell them faster than the norm. So therefore, we have two different strategies that we can use to make money. One is the wholesale strategy, which can make you five, ten thousand, fifteen thousand. One of my students, sixty-two thousand. And the other is a retail strategy. Now, with retailing, we find when we look around and we do these deals, we find that we're making more money. Uh, selling one of these vacant, distressed, abandoned properties because we bought it so low, number one. Number two, the owner doesn't really care as much about the equity in the property. And number three, we have learned what to do correctly. So we go in there and we make lots of money wholesaling as well as retailing. I don't know of another property and another strategy that you can use to consistently buy properties low, consistently get owner financing, consistently fix up with saving money in mind, and then consistently sell high. And Reggie, unfortunately, we are out of time for the program, and I know you still have lots and lots to say about abandoned properties, but uh, we're going to have to encourage people once again to come to the OREA Summit, the National Real Estate Summit, up, coming up here in Cincinnati, November 5th through 8th. Go to wmkvfm.org to get more information and grab one of the last two discounted uh, packages for the OREA National New Strategy Summit. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing.